Welcome in to another edition of the Tepity Keck Podcast, episode, episode 537. You hit that post, Mitchie. Uh, we are talking Bucks, Cavs. What a blowout disaster for the Bucks. We'll talk about trade priorities also for the Bucks team. We'll talk about confidence, things we're confident in for the Packers and games, things we fear, questions we still have as we get ready for the divisional round for your Green Bay Packers. And then lastly, Valley Sports is no longer here. You're dead, bitch. Um, and we'll talk about that. But before we do that, Mitch, what's up? How you living? What a difference six days makes. No um, shit. I was going to say that too. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm not dwelling on the loss. I mean, it's, it is what it is. You didn't have Giannis. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much gave up and – it really there was there was no no emotion taken from this game what's whatsoever. So I'm I'm even keel. I'm I'm feeling pretty good for the most part. Yeah. So you're you're just like, you know what? They didn't give a shit. I don't give a shit. And so you're like, it's it just doesn't it doesn't affect you, huh? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when when uh superstar players on your team uh are given the night off, it's like, well, Exactly. If they don't care, I don't care. I have said that several times throughout the last few years. Um, I guess, I guess. Oh God. I mean, whatever happens, happens. And you know, you saw it tonight. It was, it was a combination of they gave up. Cavs played really well. Um, The minivan didn't miss. I, I don't know what the final box was on him, but I know he was seven for seven with 17 points. And the, you know, when it was still in the first half, and right. that's when that's when you're new. It's uh maybe maybe time to shut it off. Yeah, um, yeah. It wasn't but... it it wasn't the Bucks night at all. And yeah, the Bucks really acted like they didn't want to be here. And you know, back in the Bud days, we used to always talk about oh long layoffs and that they would struggle, you know, with those sort of long layoffs. And that really hasn't been an issue for this Bucks team. But tonight they just after two they're two pretty intense games with Kings and Warriors. They just somehow did have it, even though they've had two nights off. And I get it's the right. dog days. I get it's, you know, it's it's a weird schedule here coming up. And I think that there are going to be a lot of guys getting some rest. Like I think Damian Lillard and Middleton, you know, will have a day off against Detroit in one of those games. And, and they'll stagger all of that. However, you got to play the games and you got to, you got to come to the office. Right. And mailing it in at a basketball job versus, you know, like a corporate cube monkey job, there's a difference and we're all seeing it. And they get paid a lot more money than cube monkeys, not to sound like a meathead sports fan, but it's just, it's just so gross to watch. And it's just like, I, and I don't know if it's like, it's a little bit of Adrian Griffin, in the sense that I don't think Griff does a good enough job of, you know, finding that sort of difference on the fly. I think, you know, when his game plan goes to shit, it's like, Oh, Oh, well, I guess we just don't have it tonight. And it's happened a few different times this season. Utah is another example where, you know, and that's more recent, but it's like, you gotta think about adjustments. Like I think that to me, should be easy. And I think that's where, you know, the anti-Griff crowd, which I don't think either of us are in, like really raises a flag. Cause you think about like NFL, right? You have your script, 
and you have your first 15 plays and you know exactly what you're going to do in those, those first 15 plays. And then same with baseball where like a pitcher, like knows what he's going to do the first time through the order. And, but for this, it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, even if you do have a plan, like, and you can switch it, like pivot, man, get out of it. Like you got to do something differently. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to do that in basketball. I mean, it's no, you're right. I mean, that's the point. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I just, but like, and not to like compare it to Bud, and I'm not advocating for Bud to come back, but can like there were only a few games where it just was over from the start, like the Charlotte game. The Charlotte game is really the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more of them, but like it was rare that the Bucks would get absolutely just mollywopped from the start. Like it, mm-hmm. it usually would take some time before, you know, it was like, okay, they lost by 20. It's not to say they didn't lose by 10 plus to, to the, uh, to opposition. But I think that that's why I think some people the to continue on with the anti-Griff people, like the peaks and valleys of this team are so dramatic compared to like mm-hmm. with Bud. It was just like, it was pretty steady. It was pretty even keel. There were some really good times in that as well. But and you're like, well, maybe Bub change, maybe this, maybe that. And then you get to the playoffs and it's like the same old shit. And I've said in the past that, you know, Bud had a little Mike McCarthy in him. And I think you kind of see that with, with Big Mike. Like he gets you to the playoffs, but it's like when the chips are down, things kind of just start to start to unravel. Yeah. And I, you know, there have been a lot of peaks and valleys. That's, you know, it does seem to be the case you know that that's a good point that um there have been some some highs and some really bad games uh obviously the utah game comes to mind this one is is arguably even worse because they didn't they didn't get off the mat at all and i think it just it's it probably and i hate to say it it probably comes down to the the defensive inabilities right i mean they're they're just they're not they're not defensively what they were so they're not going to be able to to hang around as much i guess in these games and when you're not giving you know full effort clearly that was the case tonight um you're not giving full effort and you're also not getting back on defense and it's just it's the transition baskets kill you and you know, Cleveland was locked in defensively, so the Bucks weren't able to do anything. Chris Middleton was horrible tonight. Oh, um, yeah. Dame wasn't a whole lot better. Those two guys had to pretty much carry the load. And, you know, credit to Cleveland with their with their defense. They just completely took the Bucks out of it and out of what they wanted to do. And and, you know, they just they just couldn't get couldn't get a look for the first six minutes of the game. Only had two points, I think, after six minutes, which is pretty much impossible in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. But that's where they were at. And then defensively for the Bucks, I mean, we're talking about Griffin and it does kind of feel like his only card is, well, let's switch to the two, three zone. And um, which Bud didn't do. So right. it's something and it, and it, and it does work, but how long do you stick with it? And that type of stuff, you know, just constantly giving them a, a different look, I think is the way to go. Um, because eventually, you know, they're NBA basketball players. They're going to, they're going to figure it out and right. then you got to switch back. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's a rookie head coach and 
you know, this is, this is a total organizational loss. I mean, it's not, it's not, um, I'm not blaming really any one person. You'd like to see a little more out of, you know, Chris in that situation where, you know, he's looked better. He didn't play uh, Sunday. He has, he's had less, he's had three days off of rest right. and like to see him be a little less sluggish and, um, handle the ball a little better, but you know, he didn't make his first basket till the second half. And by then the right. game was, was basically over. He was minus 40, 20 yeah. minutes. Oh yeah. Uh, I have, I have, I have, I am a fantasy Chris Middleton owner and we were negative three tonight uh, for performance. So yeah, it was, it was bad. It was yeah. really, really bad. And I mean, the thing is though, and this kind of, again, speaks to the valleys and the peaks, like the bucks are second in the league in terms of, in terms of losses, when it comes to a record above 500, Boston has the best record at 17 and seven teams above 500, but you know, they're 12 and nine, which is not perfect, but there's only three teams, four teams that are are like that much above 500 Pelicans at 15 and nine, the Timberwolves at 17 and nine and the Clippers at 14 and nine. So it's like, they are still playing well against good teams. This isn't like a fraudulent team. And also too, like I know a lot of people are going to bring up, I, I hear it a lot nationally. I feel like it's kind of a crutch for the national broadcast where they're like, Oh, the bucks, the bucks struggle on the road. And I'm like, I don't know, man, they, they're nine and nine. The nuggets are 11 and 10. The thunder are 11 and eight. It's not like these teams are just kicking everybody's ass on the road either. So mm. it's, it's hard for me to be like, I'm really concerned about how they play on the road because I just, I just don't think that it's like that much of an issue. No, I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to win every road game. It's, I don't think it's an issue either. You know, um, you know, look, I mean, they're not, they're not going to win 60 games. They're not going to win probably 55. You know, you're going to, they're probably going to lose 30 games. You know, you're mm-hmm. probably not going to, you're probably going to lose, I don't know, 15, 20 road games yeah. throughout the year, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe even more. They might be under 500 on the road when it's all said and done. They're pretty damn good at home, though. And, right, you know, 19 take care of your business there and just do, just go approximately 500 on the road. You know, you're going to be, going to be right there. Right. Um, so I'm really not concerned about the road stuff yet. I don't, I don't know what they were on the road last year. You know, um, I'm sure that like the, the years before COVID, you know, those couple bud seasons where I guess it was like a year and a half, um, you know, they were, when they were trying to dominate everybody at all times Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they probably had a really good road record then when they were winning 62 games or whatever it was 59. And, um, but I don't know. Yeah, the the road stuff doesn't seem to be too much of an issue to me. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, mean the, the schedule the schedule is obviously going to toughen up though. So yeah, yeah. In the uh, in the year they won the title, they were twenty and sixteen on the road. Then they got they were really good on the road the last two years, twenty four and seventeen on the road uh, in the champ defense year. And then last year they were twenty six and fifteen on the road. So mm-hmm. I mean they've had some success, but. It's, you know, it's a new team. It's, yeah, the schedule gets really hard for the Bucs. Uh, March is extremely tough 
right now for Milwaukee. They have a stretch where they play five out of seven games coming up where it starts. I think it starts with Denver um, next week. And you see Denver right before the deadline. You see Denver right after the deadline. And actually, I think that's perfect because that gives you a clear picture on, you know, who who really you should be targeting from a position in terms of your trades and in terms of what moves that you need to make for this, this basketball team. And I think that that is something that, you know, will be a focus here, obviously with the Pascal Siakam trade, which we'll touch on later happening yesterday. Um, we're kind of in, we're kind of in the mix. We're in the, you know, the trade season, if you will. And Mitch, what, like you just, you know, we don't have to do players, but we're talking positions. Like what's, What's like priority number one? If you want to add some players, feel free. But like, what's sort of priority number one for you? Man, well, there's there's a few ways you could probably go here. There, I pro- figuring out the fifth starter for sure would would be nice. I know Beasley's been a great shooter this year, um, but I just don't know long term the defensive fit. The bench is awful for the most part. And I, I, I would probably lean priority number one as some kind of backup big um, for the Bucks because, I don't know, so, sometimes when you watch Bobby Portis, man, it, it's like – Oh, yeah? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Um, no, he's, he's just – you know what? I, I know what he's doing, Mitch. He's just playing – he's just – it's Bobby Portis time. He's right. just he only cares about Bobby Portis. He is he he belongs on a team that is in the play-in or not even in the in the playoffs anymore. He's gotten too big for his britches. I'm sorry. Like I know that's a little meathead of me, but it's just kind of what it looks like out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean you saw it you saw it against Cleveland where there's just it's uh, you know, we're down, we're down 30, you know, the shots going up, which it doesn't really matter what the score is. There's a lot of times where he is, uh, he's, he, you know, he's doing that just at any, any point in the game um, or in any of these games, it's, he's, he's just a black hole right. and it's, and it's, it's not, not ideal. Um, you know, uh, Royce O'Neal kind of, kind of comes to mind as somebody who's probably uh, attainable. I don't yep. know what um, Brooklyn thinks they're getting for him. You know, they they probably are asking quite a bit at the moment. We'll see if that that comes down. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I I, I wither back and forth with with Bobby or Pat Connaughton, who I think who I think should go in a trade, because those you know really the Bucks are in a spot where they. They don't have a ton of, you know, wiggle room or freedom with with moves they can make just because of, you know, they they don't have much to trade. Their contracts are weird as well, where they're they're very top heavy, and then you have Bobby and Pat are really the only two guys that are making kind of that tradable salary. You know, I think Bobby or Pat's got like they both. I think they both have three years left. At, I think Pat's at like nine point five or something, and Bobby's like. 12 or something like that. So um, those are obviously the two guys that are constantly in, in kind of trade rumors online and, and in some of the, some of the talks too. Um, And I, 
I don't I don't see a situation where they're getting rid of both of them. I don't know how how you feel about that, but um yeah, I I don't think they I don't think they can. Like they would be so the bench would be so thin. Like the deal that's been out there today because of the Siakam deal is Bruce Brown for both of them. And that gets it done from a contract perspective. It's like, all right, you have Bruce Brown, but you what are you gonna just you can't really hawk the buyout market too much because you gotta make sure mm-hmm. they don't have the TPMLE, which basically the mid-level, because that avoid you can't buy out those guys per the CBA. Mm-hmm. And like it's very complicated now. So it's like, what are you what are you gonna do? How are you going to solve this? I mean. I I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was last week, where my priority or focus would be looking at the teams that are sort of broken, that need a fresh start. Your Golden States, your Lakers, your Phoenix Suns. Like, look at these teams who are kind of struggling right now that could use an infusion of Bobby Portis, that could talk mm-hmm. themselves into Bobby Portis. I think Bobby's the guy to go. I think Conton's minutes can get absolved by Jay Crowder. I think that can get absolved by AJ Green. Um, I, I think that, and you can bring Pat back when it, when it makes sense, and maybe to give you some energy and effort. But you can kind of absolve those minutes. I don't really think there's anybody on the team that you can look at and say, "Okay, we're going to we're going to absolve Bobby's minutes with that." Robin Lopez, no way. Like you no. just you can't. And so. I think that yeah. that's that's why I would lean Bobby as a priority to trade versus Pat Conton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. And, yeah, I think you could look at teams that are broken, as you say, or I think you probably need to, to look at other kind of rising teams that have a ton of assets that um, – or or are, are look have have assets and are looking to compete like OKC, New Orleans, maybe even Utah, or some of those teams, right? Preferably out west. If you're gonna trade, you know, right. Bobby or you know, a, yeah, a fan last, favorite type person. I, the I, I don't, I don't need you want to get burned uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah you and that. you don't want them to end up on Philly or um or Boston, God forbid, or or something like that. So. Um, I would tend to look kind of, kind of that way. Um, and Royce O'Neal, I brought him up. He's not really a big per se. He would probably be kind of that coveted, you know, taller wing guy. We'll see how Jerry Crowder looks. I guess maybe that's why I've cooled a little bit. I, I would like to see if fortunately Crowder came back with enough time before the deadline that you can get yep. a pretty good look at what he's going to bring to the table right. over the next month or two. And right. then and go from there. Um, friend of the pod, Eric, brought up uh, Mason Plumley in a trade. I didn't hate that. Yeah, I think I think Mason Plumley, you know, would make some sense. I don't, I don't know, or is he not getting minutes with? Uh, with well, he the, wasn't. However, Zubac Zubats just got hurt, so yeah, he has a calf um, injury. So now, yeah, and he's out for like his, a month or something. Now his minute, yeah, he had twenty. He played twenty eight minutes last night, but yeah, he's been buried on that Clippers bench until last night. So now that's probably yeah. off the table. But right, he's, but yeah, he's probably not going. Like he's a prick, and I don't exactly like him, and not necessarily known for his defense. But Kelly Olynyk's probably a better version of Bobby Portis, and I know that sounds yeah. weird, but. Yeah. He, he is like 
he he is a physical guy. He'll foul hard. He's going to rebound. He can shoot a little bit. And I, I think that that would be somebody that would be a great addition. It's just a question of does Utah want to fuck up what they've kind of had going? They're playing really well right now. Are they going to just be like, all right, yeah, we're going to move off a guy that plays pretty meaningful minutes for us. I, I guess maybe if you're like, we're good with what we have um, in terms of our, they have a pretty loaded front court with marketing Collins, Walker Kessler and Olenek, like bucks would kill for having all that, all that size and all that talent, you know, down below it's, you know, and it's there. I, is there any, is there any thought maybe that Brooke Lopez could be on the block? I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Is that, is that even something that is discussed? Does John Horst think about that even, or is he just like, is Brooke untradeable? I know he's your guy. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if he's untradeable. I just would be shocked if they did it in season. Um, I feel like, a move like that is probably an off-season move. You know, just I think that they probably want to give that one more run. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Especially with, I mean, you know, I hate to use the word stuck with Dame, but you're, you know, I don't, he's not going anywhere, obviously. No. Um, obviously, Giannis is, is, has a lifetime, lifetime uh, hotel room at, uh, you know, Lifetime key to the city. He's not yeah. going anywhere. Correct. But I, I think I think they want to run it back with with this core and and see it out probably for one more season. I would be shocked if if Brooke was was dealt. Um, but I would have been shocked. Uh, I was shocked when Drew Holiday was traded too. So right. um, I don't know. I mean, Horst is is active, pretty aggressive. You know, I I I guess nothing can be ruled out. I died. Like I said, I don't think Giannis or Dame are getting traded, obviously. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dame it's tough, be... tough to hundred percent rule that out, but I'd be surprised if that was, if that was a deadline situation. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think, you know, unlike baseball, I, I think it's like one of those things where you add Brooke Lopez in the middle of the season, you have to think on the fly. You don't have that much time to practice. You don't have that much time to scheme and strategize. Like, some of the great coaches could potentially do it, but it's definitely, it definitely makes it a challenge. So yeah, to your point, that's more of an off season thing. That's more of a, how do we build a team around it? I just, I, I said this, I think to you, I don't know, one of these pods where it's like, I just don't think that this team would look this way if they got Dean Lillard earlier than like a week before training camp. And yeah. to me, that's a little bit on horse for not like, I get not wanting to put all your eggs in the basket, but it's like, man, I don't know. I, I think that that just, it's just tough. Like that's just a tough thing. And maybe yeah. this, and maybe it's like, they know that this is the plan and they have it. They know what they're going to do at the deadline. And they kind of have this vision, if you will. And like us as fans don't necessarily get to see that vision through because we're just sitting here eating just terrible losses and that sucks, but they are like, Nope, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. We're, we'll be okay. It's just, mm -hmm. it's tough. It's tough to kind of go through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The timing of the Dame trade definitely put, I think everybody in a heck of a spot. Yeah. And, um, you know, but 
look, there's there's been some good games too. And, oh yeah, no, hey, know, it's, look, it's, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, they as long as they go, you know, the Pistons have not beat a team over five hundred this year. As long as you can just go two and zero against the Pistons, get the games that you're supposed to, then you have the Cavs at home the following Wednesday. Beat their asses. Send a message back. Like, there we go. Like, all right, we're fine. Like, then you're on. Then you basically won six of your last seven with one bad game in between those. I'm I'm okay with that. Got to yeah. stack up some of these wins. And I I do. I I guess the only other thing to talk about from a trade priority is a backup point guard. You know, it's yeah, been a, definitely. And campaign is not the answer. Um, campaign is, you know, he had a nice game against the Kings when Middleton was down. He had 15 points in that game. He actually was pretty efficient. I don't know if that was a wake up call for campaign that he didn't play against. I don't think he played against the, against Golden State either. Right. I know he didn't play against Boston, but I don't think he played against Golden State or he played against Boston, but he got in at garbage time. So that was the wake up campaign needed. Great. But I, and I think he's, Again, another well-liked guy on that bench, but they need something else, and they need to they need to address that position. You can't put all the burden on on Dame and like a guy like Davion Mitchell. I don't know if I'd classify him as a point guard, but he's another backup guard that could really help out. I think that would be a great sort of add. Even again, another off guard, but Quentin Grimes, who's been talked about a lot, like giving those guys that maybe aren't necessarily ball handlers and you'd have to figure that out. But I just, I don't know if I even really know if I need campaign the ball handler with just what he's given, given the bucks this year besides a hot start. Yeah. Well, Chris Dunn's another guy that's probably out there too. Yeah. Um, I like Chris plays, Dunn. plays, plays for the jazz. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's, yeah. The I mean, jazz, the, you know, all in a Chris Dunn trade would, would be, would be okay. He, as the kids would say, would feed families. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm I'm not going to say that it's going to you know uh, change the league, but uh, it's I think that would that would solve a couple issues, and um, you know that's something that I'd possibly look into if I were John Horst. Well, the other part about that is is a that frees up time for that frees up playing time for Keontae George, the rookie for the. Utah Jazz. It also mm-hmm. frees up time for Walker Kessler to play more and John Collins who you just got in a trade. I know they haven't been as high on on John Collins. But so okay, so Olenek makes Olenek, sorry, makes 12 12.1 million and he's on an expiring. Love that. Chris Dunn 12 2 million, 2.5 on uh, also on an expiring. So that is I mean that is gorgeous. Like yeah. You could basically trade Bobby for those two guys. I think you'd have to get one more guy, but you could do Bobby and your I don't I don't think you want to give up your second rounder in in 2024, but maybe you have to. And that's and that's sort of the move you make, but yeah, it's I you basically could get it done with just Bobby Portis and some filler of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean another thing too, you bring up the expiring contracts, I believe that with the the new CBA, I don't think that they can't just fill that twelve million dollar slot in the off season. I think it goes like kind of goes away. 
It'd have to be like a, a veteran minimum type signing. Interesting. I believe, I believe is what I, what I heard from Bobby Marks. Um, you know, again, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> um, I believe, yeah, I, I don't think that like that frees up 12 million in cap space because no. they're over, you know, they're over the, um, they're like, they're deep in the penalty. Yeah. So, yeah. No, they're, yeah. It's still, it's still sort of, you're still kind of fucked, right? You're still, you still have that, that as an issue. Yeah. So, but I mean, then you, you guess, you know, you wouldn't, you then, you wouldn't have Bobby's, uh, Bobby's contract on the books for the next three years. So, right. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. We'll see. We'll see if it could potentially happen. Any before we go to the Packers, any thoughts on uh, the Pascal Siakam trade for Indy? Do you feel like that makes the Pacers better, worse? Do you think it's still the same? Does it scare you? Do the Pacers scare you at all because of um, it? Like any just quick thoughts on that? I'm. They're about the same. You know, I I I don't think Siakam is as good as he was in 2019 2020 i feel like he's he's taken a step back they gave up quite a bit to get him um you know i guess i don't obviously the bucks have played the pacers a ton and i yep. can't say bruce brown really i can't say i sat there and noticed him a lot no but in theory that's quite a bit you know of a guy to just that's probably why they got him actually was to have to have salary filler and see if he could, you know, be a, bring some defensive prowess, but clearly that wasn't a factor um, for them this year as they're, you know, one of the few teams that are worse defensively than the Bucks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Bruce Brown wasn't, again, wasn't, I don't think, probably wasn't as good as he was advertised to be. And no, he, he got, got cash. He, he benefited off of Jokic and then cashed out after winning a championship. We see it in sports all the time. Mm-hmm. That said, I mean, I would take him on the Bucks. I, I don't, you yeah. know, we can't get to his his salary to trade no, for need, him. Or, we need some help. But uh, yeah, so Siakam, you know, I mean, it's not like he's gonna stop and you know stop Giannis from, you know, I'm I'm not really afraid of him from that perspective. He can't shoot anymore. Yeah, um, he's he. That's the part that I'm like, I wouldn't give up three first rounders for a guy that doesn't have the shooting ability unless unless they feel like they can fix them and they feel like they can kind of revert, you know, back to the quote unquote old Siakam, if you will. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the part that gives me a ton of trepidation. If I'm, if I'm the Pacers. Yeah. Well, you um, know, Miles Turner is going to float around the three point line. So maybe they just, right. They bring Siakam in and say, you know, you can kind of, kind of be that slasher. Yeah. I think my only thing is, I wonder if it makes them slower. Like they were such a fast paced team and they just ran, they could run you out of gym if you weren't careful. But I wonder if that, that this hurts them in terms of their speed and Siakam's not really a a fast guy. He's not a gazelle, if you will. And so I, I just wonder if that, that will, that will play a factor in sort of, you know, being a different version of Indiana. It was interesting to see how they adjust. I don't think that this is going to be, and immediate like upgrade to your point. And so I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of feel the same way about Siakam. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just right. It, it's going to take some acclimation for them and um, we'll see what happens. Toronto, 
finally blows it up. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, they don't really, I guess this trade, you know, it sounds like Bruce Brown's going to be yeah, rerouted. Move. Yeah, they'll route him somewhere else. So, but they they finally made the moves. And, right. And uh, they feel like a, a, Toronto feels like a weird team to me. I don't oh, know. yeah. Yeah, I don't, they I don't, don't know what. They have Pirtle and I guess Scotty Barnes is there for RJ Barrett quickly. Yeah, they yeah. have they have a lot of young guys that are kind of fun with quickly and Barrett and Scotty Barnes. It's kind of Scotty Barnes team, uh, but it, you think I think you have to ask yourself the question: Is Scotty Barnes a one? And that's sort of that's I I don't think he is at this point. Can he get there? Maybe. But I, I think that that's, that's kind of a tall task. Um, so we'll certainly see. Um, and, yeah, they're definitely in tanking mode for the first time in a long time in Toronto. Uh, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. And I don't think any of us expected to be talking about the Packers at this no. point of the year and in a playoff game in the divisional round Saturday night. Uh, in Santa Clara to take on the rival, the hated Vikings, or I'm sorry, the 49ers. <laughs> Hot start. Um, but it's, it's got the Vikings out. on your mind. Yeah. Well, I watched True Detective yesterday, the new True Detective with Jodie Foster. Okay. And I guess she, she was wearing a Vikings uh, hoodie in the scene, in one of the scenes. And I guess she's a Packer fan. And I, I quote tweeted it like, like the different outfits that would be hard for me to wear as a Wisconsin sports fan, as an actor. And I said, the Cardinals would probably be the toughest one to like wear on like a, if I was doing like a, you know, a movie or a TV show and I'd be a Cardinals fan, it would probably pain me to wear like a Cardinals hoodie or a Cardinals hat. I'd, I'd feel dirty about it. St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That I mean, would be the number one for sure. Wow. Damn. But you thought I'd say Bears or Vikings? Vikings is right there. Vikings is really close. Um, it's probably Cardinals, Vikings. I think I said Cubs, Bears. So I think the yeah, order I, I mean, I would there. think the Cubs at this point in time would be. Yeah, Cubs is really uh, tough. I feel like I, I understand that the Cardinals have been throughout the years on and off, you know, either like an extremely big rival or like kind of dis- dissipates. In the, but I feel like the Cubs are always. They're just the proximity and there's so many Cubs fans around and I don't know. It just, th- that rivalry is always, always there. So I would have thought the Cubs first, but anyway, sorry, continue. No, I mean, look, I, I think that, I, I think that that's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. There was a debate, you know, I, what I appreciate about Ben Affleck, you can say that some of these Hollywood fans are fake, but there's a lot of rumors that, production shut down for four days at Gone Girl because Ben Affleck wouldn't wear a Yankees hat. So I I commend that. Like I commend the pettiness there to shut down production just because you don't want to wear a Yankees hat. Oh absolutely. Fuck that. Yeah. Especially especially I mean I'm sure Affleck did he direct that movie? No, David Fincher did. Okay. Never heard of it. I don't know how that's oh I the film world, not that we have a lot of film uh people but david fincher very famous director but gone girl gone girl's a good movie seven um there's a lot of good david fincher movies so he did the social he did the social network um so yeah 
No, check out Gone Girl's great movie too. Uh, that's a that's one where you just think you just come away from it and you're like, wow, women are, can be really this this uh, deceiving. And well, I don't know if I can trust any women. Isn't it about like she faked the uh, fakes the dad, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, I I can't remember exactly, but it's uh, I don't have the synopsis. Maybe end of the pod I'll, I'll pull it up for you and we can get we can find where it's streaming and then maybe a couple weeks from now we can get a mitchy mitchy recommendation on if you if you liked it or didn't like it um but let's let's go to the packers and the 49ers uh and just the so real I, I would you go as far to say it's a david versus goliath matchup between them and the and the uh 49ers mitch Ooh. that's spicy I don't. Um, I don't think. I. I don't think it is though. I. I. If, if the Packers that. had, if the Packers had barely eked out a win against Dallas and didn't look that great, I would say yes. However, the Packers looked every bit as you know as good as you could possibly imagine, and you know they went up a notch. I think they went up. They went up a level. Uh, yep. last weekend and I don't know the Niners sat around and ran their mouths a little I know uh Kyle Shanahan had a pretty good one I don't know if you heard what he said but he said he said he started uh yeah probably started for the Green Bay in the second quarter of yep. that game and uh thought that was pretty funny um so I don't know I mean I, I don't think it's David Goliath I mean I think it's you know Brock Purdy is the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, as we all know. Yes. And um, does he really, you know, you're not facing Peyton Manning. You know? No. You're not you're facing not fa- 2006 Peyton Manning. You're, um, you're not facing Lamar Jackson. I mean, if anything's more the David Goliath yeah. game, it's Houston and Baltimore. And I, oh, definitely. I think. I think it would be more of a surprise if the Texans go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens than the Packers beating the 49ers. I don't know if I agree with that one, but um... I, I here so my case on that is Texans have played absolutely no one this year. Their defense has played nobody. They have not played you look at the quarterbacks the Texans have faced this year and it is absolute clown car show. And it's just, it's bad. Like, I just think they're, I, I'm not saying they're twice. Yeah. Like Lawrence probably is your best quarterback they've faced. And how good is Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. I just, that's why that's kind of my basis is I just think they, while the Cleveland wins nice and everything else, I just, I'm dubious that the Texans are this good. They did play the Ravens at the very start of the season. And it was 25 to nine. I don't think you can take and really anything from that game. So I guess you say, well, Lamar, but yeah, they've played Indianapolis. They played Minshew, Will Levis, Flacco twice. They played Zach Wilson. They played Levis twice, Russell Wilson, Kyler. Uh, not, I don't think Joe, uh, Joe Burrow was on that Cincinnati team. So they, I mean, yeah, they, they've played a couple, but it's not, it's not to any level that, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, with the other teams. So that's where I would, I would get into it in terms of the the matchups, but yeah, I think the Packers are right there and I think they have a puncher shot. And I think 
I don't think people are scared of the 49ers like they were in the past. You know, it's been a very positive week. And I think that positivity is more rooted in just everybody's fucking jacked. Like everyone's excited about next year and the year after. I don't think it has anything to do with, oh, people think they're going to beat the 49ers. I I think there's going to be a confidence. I think you will talk yourself into it. If you're a crazy sports fan like myself or our friend Murph, like, but at the same time, like, I think the excitement's more drawn from, wow, next season special. Oh, all this noon football shit that we had this year, not happening next year. We're going to be back on primetime, back on the main screen, back in, you know, the pure view. And like, this is only the beginning instead of this being like the last dance. Like this is the brand, this window is open for the first time. And so that's where I think the excitement is gleaning from it. And yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like, and, fuck it, let more house money. Right. That's what I was going to say is, you know, Packer fans for the first time, you know, this is the first postseason run. If we can call it that it's been one game. Um, but I, I, I mean, you can probably include the whole season where this is the first time in a long time where there's just like no drama. Or, like, the expectations are, like, fair, I suppose, is a good way to put it. I mean, it's not not that there's no expectations, but it was, like, you know, I wouldn't say just don't get blown out by Dallas. But, you know, if, if, if they win, great, you know, or great, if, you know, fabulous. If not, you know, no big deal, building for the future. You know, Jordan Love looks great of the last, you know, the last month and um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I just think Packer fans are in a really good spot right now for the first time in, in a few years, for sure. Um, You know, you could even argue it's probably, probably the most fun in maybe since the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you you could probably argue that. I think 2014, was a lot of fun in terms of that year because I think everybody thought we were going to Super Bowl that year. But I I always remind people that you still would have had to win those games, right? Like you still would have to beat the Patriots. Would you have beat the Patriots? I don't know. Um would you know same that's like the Bucks thing with 20.2 where it's like, oh if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt, we win the finals. It's like ah well, you gotta beat the Heat. And you know, Warriors, yes, good matchup, but like I, I think you're right that I don't know if I'd say that this is the first one since 2010, but it's similar in the 2010 sense of like this window is wide open and this is going to be something mm. that we have forever. Now, what you don't realize, which I tell people all the time and people don't want to listen where I'm like, it's really fucking hard to win championships. Like it's, it's really hard. And like people act like it's easy and act like everybody's Belichick. And so guess what? You're going to deal with a lot of turmoil. You're going to deal with a lot of sort of just bullshit going forward. And, but right now, this is the fun part of the ride. You get to enjoy this now for hopefully 15 years, just like you did with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens next year. If, you know, if they, uh, if they get through 49ers and whatever happens after that, I mean, I think already, the bar is going to go up next year. Oh yeah. Um, and it'll be fun, but you know, there's going to be a little more expectations. I mean, there's going to be, you know, you're going to have to at least win the division and 
you know, it, it you know, the bar's gonna go up a little bit, but at least at least you don't have a quarterback that's got bad body language and um is calling timeouts with you know uh eight minutes to go in the first quarter because they don't like a look and you know get all get all pissy on the sideline or walking off the field and then you know come back out and throw an incompletion to Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, it's just it, it is it is a fun group and you know they're in they're in a good spot. Oh yeah. No, a- absolutely. And I think to kind of break down the game a little bit more in terms of like things that I I do feel confident on is you can run the ball on the San Francisco 49ers. They do not have this vaunted run defense. Uh they are actually worse when it comes to EPA uh, per play, which is expected plays over average, um, then the Green Bay Packers, they are 26th in the in, in the league, while the Packers are 22nd. So you can run on this team, and rain is in the forecast. It could be a very sloppy uh, Santa Clara day, Santa Clara evening, and that might pull. I mean, it could just be you know who controls the ball more. And yes, you got to worry about Christian McCaffrey, but it's not to say that anybody's hotter in the league right now than Aaron Jones. So I, right. I really, I do feel confident they can run the football. Well, that's what I was going to say is yes, Aaron Jones, he, I wish I had the average of his last four games, but he had 127 yards against Carolina, 120 against Minnesota, 111 against the bears and 118 last week and three scores against the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah, I mean, he's on a heater. He's, he's been unleashed. He's clearly as healthy as he's been all year. And, you know, in the playoffs, that's, that's huge. And as great as Jordan love was, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident in Jordan love uh, at this point. I mean, I, I think that, you know, he's shown a, you know, he's taken the next step and, and he's been, He's the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now. And, mm-hmm. but I think that a lot of that comes because of Aaron Jones and, right. you know, love was extremely efficient against the Cowboys. I mean, the lot that the stat line of Aaron Jones or Aaron, of Jordan love, you know, he only threw the ball, what, 20 times or something. Yeah. Yeah. But it was 16 like to 20. 16 of 20. Right. So I would say 17 to 20, but six, 16 of 20. And, you know, that just, playing off the run game, you know, you're gashing Dallas left and right and, you know, kind of filling in, but, but, I'll, but I mean, how many of those passes were, were huge though. Right. Like, right. That's, that's where like the difference is. I mean, if, if you can run the ball for, you know, six yards and first down. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. And then when a play is needed, Jordan Love made it against Dallas. And, you know, I, I think that just having those two guys together, is you know huge it's a and it's a great it's, one-two punch i mean they're gonna right. figure out a way to keep aaron jones like aaron jones is the heart of this packers team he is the guy that he is the leader he is the you know the team captain we talked beginning of this year we we're like who's gonna step up who's gonna fill in that leadership role and aaron jones has and those guys ride with aaron jones and there is no way i see aaron jones not in this roster next season. He's not going to make $8 million. They'll figure out a way around that, but it's that he's going to be a Packer. And 
it's because of just his leadership and the way that those two play off each other. Jones, I did the math while you were talking. Jones has averaged 119 over the last four games and 5.6 yards per carry is what we yeah. what we got. That's I mean, that's absurd. That's and I I also will say, I don't know, I guess I this is a question. I didn't want to do fears, but I'll I'll just ask a question is like I just is the line really gonna stand up to this front seven? Like the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers has been fucking excellent. Zach Tom mm-hmm. is a beast. I, I said, you know, middle of the year, Zach Tom's my MVP. Zach Tom's one against every sort of offense defensive lineman. And he's just doing the damn thing. And Matt LaFleur is also scheming to, you know, protect Zach Tom a little bit. And now he goes up against Nick Bosa. And I don't think Zach Tom's scared. I don't think Zach Tom's like, I was against Micah Parsons last week. I, mm-hmm. I, I got you. And Rasheed Walker, as frustrating as he was earlier in the year, he as he's gotten more reps, he looks pretty comfortable at left tackle. And he's doing his thing. Now the middle is a little bit questionable with Myers and and Runyon and Ryan and Elton Jake is good, but like you still have questions there. But I don't think that Eric Armstead is gonna completely like wreck you in the middle and gonna be the difference you lose the game. And Fred Warner is a hell of a fucking player. I love Fred Warner, but he's also not gonna be like coming in on blitzes every time and like being basically, you know, modern day Troy Palomalu. So I I don't think the middle of the line I, I worry too much about. I'm just curious, can you do it now against arguably the best front seven pass rush that you'll see all season? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you would have thought Dallas would have been a tough matchup too, but clearly, you know, they got taken right out of their game plan and, you know, Dan Quinn kind of got his ass kicked. Um which, you know, I know Dallas has had some injuries, I think, in their in their linebacker spots. But for, you know, for Micah Parsons to be a complete non-factor in that game, yeah, that's, you know, Zach Tom. I mean, for an undersized dude, right? Like he is is quite quite the story uh, for the Packers offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know I, I do think the Niners overall on on defense are are probably a little bit of a different story from Dallas. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I have seen no, nothing lately to suggest that, you know, Jordan Love's been awfully clean the last, the last month. And right. um, I don't know. He looks, he looks super comfortable and confident. And, you know, that's a huge credit, I think, to the offensive line. Yeah. No, no question about it. I mean, yeah, he's, He's barely getting touched, and it's you know it's night and day from what it was earlier this season. Uh, another the thing I fear is I'm deathly afraid of the middle of the field. I'm worried that yeah. George George Kittle is going to win this game for for San Francisco. I think he's the X factor in my opinion, more so than McCaffrey. Vondre Campbell is washed. Um, he's had a bad year. I realize he's been hurt, but he also might be washed. I don't know, and I know McDuffie was hurt. Um, last week um i don't look at injury reports till friday usually so we'll see um but if you have campbell and walker out there i don't know you're gonna have to figure out something i know savage played great in the game you know against dallas and maybe you just use savage as sort of the you know kittle stopper if you will and you bring savage up to kind of protect campbell but i i'm very worried that george kittle just goes off in this game and 
he's the reason why the Packers lose and are out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and you saw Jake Ferguson um, yep. do, yeah, do some point. things. However, you know, that was that was a lot of garbage time. And yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess what scares me, I was going to – yeah, maybe a little bit can the Packers generate a pass rush. Um, Ian Barry's out, right? He's – Yep, he's, uh, ACL. Yeah, he's done. So – I don't know. I guess it's Lucas Van Ness time, right? Um, yeah. He's going to have to, uh, you know, as they say, you're not really a rookie at this point anymore. You've been around no. for for a while. And uh, it's, you know, again, dude has all the tools and, you know, he can he can make plays. Uh, and it's, it's going to have to be, I think, uh, a LVN showcase game uh, in the Bay Area this yeah. weekend. And, and that's and and hopefully you know it's not too much pressure. I also wonder, will they you know bring up Brenton Cox from the practice squad? You know, Brenton Cox is a very talented. He was a shithead in college, but was a very talented you know player. Came from Florida and Georgia, has that pedigree. Is is just an absolute animal. Do you bring him up just to say fuck it? Send him on you know obvious passing downs like the old Kabir Bajabil Mila. And you're just like, just rush the quarterback. Like, we don't care. Like, just don't just get pin your ears back. And right, exactly. Absolutely. I don't know. We'll, we'll certainly, we'll certainly see um, if that's, you know, something. But I agree. Yeah. LVN's going to have to be big. Preston Smith has, you know, had some games, but he has, he had one or two really good games. You're going to need probably something out of Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary and, and have, and have Rashawn Gary sort of also come through. I know. I think Bear, Joe Barry said today uh, about Rashawn Gary, who hasn't ha- who's only had a half sack since the three sack game against the Lions. I still think he's highly productive and highly effective in getting after the quarterback. I I tend to agree. I tend to agree that that is that's the case. But he's still kind of, like he's still he's still affecting things, but he doesn't have the actual numbers. Right, right. like a cornerback who like doesn't get thrown at, you know. In the same yeah. sense, right? And you're drawing double teams and you're freeing it up for other guys. It'll it'll be it'll be there. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like another question I have is what rookie kicker is gonna fuck up. So <laughs> San Francisco has a rookie kicker too, Jake Moody. And he's had some bad games. And I Visaccia didn't answer a question about uh Carlson kicking off or uh Carlson's missed field goals today. He was like, oh, does anyone have any questions about San Francisco? Which is such a loser response by Pitt Boss Rich. Like, fuck that. <laughs> like, dude, like, this is your guy. Like, can you can you at least, like, you know, have a ha- – at least talk about it and be like, yeah, we, we've we discussed this. Like, we just he just needs to settle down because I just think he gets too excited and he just misses one kick a game, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like – there's no margin for error in this football game. And right. I can't have Andrew, Anders Carlson missing one one actual point. Yeah. Well, it, 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 the one missed kick, right? It's like the one one bad quarter for the Bucks. Right. Um you, I think you just I think you just hope that it's it's an extra point, you know, and not yeah, a uh a 45-yard field goal in the third right. quarter or something that would either extend the lead to 10 or 
right. cut it to four or something like that. And, and, and it's a backbreaker. You just, you hope it's uh just get it out of the way early. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ideally it's, um, uh, the second extra point. I think that's what happened in the Dallas game. Wasn't it? Uh, was it the it was, second extra point. It, it was the third one. There it was the third one. They, he makes okay. the first two and then just suddenly misses them and then doesn't, and doesn't miss another one the rest of the way. So it's like right. he it just he just has one a game where it, it goes to shit. And it's like, dude, like you gotta you gotta think about this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think the only question I have is what what is Joe Barry gonna do to uh stop all these playmakers that the Niners have? I know he did a bang up job on C D Lamb. I think CD Lamb though was a little self-inflicted. There was something, some weird going on there, and with him and Dak, and I don't know. CD just looked like he didn't didn't really want to be out there for whatever reason, and uh, we'll see. I mean, there's nobody really offensively that's going to scare you on Dallas besides CD Lamb, and once once they kind of got him out of it, it was it was all she wrote, and I don't know. The Niners are a little more. A little more uh, loaded, I think, with Ayuk, oh, yeah. Debo, George Kittle, McCaffrey all over the field. Um, you know, let's see what you got, Joe Barry. I think. Oh yeah. I think his. Uh, I think his job is a little more secure than it than it was. Um, before the Dallas game, I think if you know we get another performance like that, it's he's coming back and. Uh, you know, it's kind of he's coaching for his job, and yeah. uh, you know, step one was w- w- was done against Dallas, and uh, I know they ended up giving up thirty two, but you know, again, that was that was all all garbage time. So um, I'm curious to see what if they're able to get pressure on Purdy, and you know, and do something to slow these guys down because that is a formidable. Uh, group of pass catchers and and running backs. So yeah, um, yeah. Joe Joe Barry, what you got, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the only other question I have is, you know, where where are we watching on Saturday night? Like, you know, we ran we were at the Tapping Tech headquarters last Saturday, last Sunday. Do we stick with that? Do we go to Worst Bar and and be with our guy Timmy? Like for the vibes, I know it was Bucks, but I feel like you know we really haven't had this with Packers. So the question yeah. is, is where you know what do we do? We gotta, gotta. We'll talk offline. That's a uh, that has definite... crossed my mind. I will say that. Okay, all right. So we're rowing in the same direction. I don't know. I feel like it would be a good spot, just upstairs or even downstairs. With you know, not a lot of people think of it. I like it. It's a good spot. Um. So you know, I I think that that. That'd be a good option, but it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, I know that I think what's, what's also nice kind of, we talk bringing it back to what we started talking about, like, even if this ends poorly um, or not even ends poor, actually uh, I'll say it in a couple of ways. If it ends in like a heartbreaking game and they lose, you know, 24 to 23 or something like that, I I still, I still am going to be okay. Like I'm not, I'm going to be like, you know what? everything's in front of us. Everything is there. And then it, you know, if they get blown out, I still will feel the same way. 
And so, yeah, it's, you know, there's a place at the table, as uh, Latimer would say in the program. Yep. It's, it's house money. Absolutely. Also, uh, I, before we talk about Bally, fucking Richard Sherman, can we just, can we spare the theatrics a little bit? Um, if you guys didn't see this, Richard Sherman on Twitter was basically disgusted that Mark Shimura basically inferred that the Packers should get a personal foul early on against Brock Purdy. I don't necessarily agree with getting a personal foul, but I want them to be aggressive. I don't want them to look like they have shit in their diaper. I want them to play with the fucking, you know, chip on their shoulder and you're not going to bully us around. And if that means, you know, getting offsetting penalties because you're jaw jacking with somebody, that's fine. But Richard Sherman acting like he didn't play with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Fuck yeah. off. Right. The Legion of Boom. Uh, yeah. A little hypocritical. Yeah. And there was also a video about uh, he had a cheap shot against uh, Devontae Adams. In a, I, think, I don't think it was a playoff game. But where just out of the blue, just pushed him right in the back. Like for no no reason, just completely malice. So it's like. That's okay, but what Richard, uh, what Shamara said was a bad thing. Get out of here. So, can't have it. All right, Valley Sports. Uh, it. Oh, I guess. Do you think where? Do you think Packers covered a spread nine and a half? I don't. I know you're probably not picking them to win. I. Uh, I don't think I can pick them to win. Um, but nine and a half is a pretty big number. I could see like 28, 20, you know, something like that. So, so yeah, I I say, yeah, they'll sneak in that number though. I am going to go Anders Carlson game winning field goal. 23, 23, 21. Yeah. We're doing it. Fuck it. Why not? I, I got it. Listen, is that what my head says? No, that's what my heart says though. And I sometimes the heart outweighs your head, man. Yeah. Yeah, the heart wants what it wants for sure. You, you fucking bet, buddy. All right. Bally Sports is no longer. Uh Amazon buying out Bally. Uh the Brewers are one of the five teams per the agreement. I don't really understand why, but where the where basically Amazon will be the Brewers home for, for Brewers baseball. And I would assume the Bucks would also fall into that. Uh, they really it was a, a, the talk was about baseball, not basketball. Um, but it's it's a great day, man, and it's just solves a lot of problems. And it's I I think the big the overarching question I have is will it bring more fans in? Like, will people care more about the Brewers and and have maybe more refined opinions? about the Brewers because they can actually watch these games because most people have Amazon at this, at this point of, of their life. Yeah. Uh, my big question is, will my subscription go up every month or, you know, yeah, because of this, right. I, I'd be shocked if it didn't, um, you know, I could see like an extra five bucks a month or something, which on top of what I already pay, which that might be ambitious. I know, uh, Business Insider and in front of the pod, Nolan Murphy uh, said no, that it wouldn't go up. I was going to push back on that, but I I didn't really have have time to do it. But I mean, they could get the money for it, so why not charge it? 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, as far as the Brewers and being on, on Amazon Prime, man, a lot of the people that are going to watch the Brewers probably don't have Prime. I mean, right? I'm talking about our dads, you know, and, and, and the like who may have access to prime, but might not be in a hurry to fire it up every single night to watch the game. Um, we'll see, but it, it's an interesting well, thought. I, so, I mean, yeah, I mean the cut in like they, you do, it is on cable. So cable will be available still. Like they're going to still have cable available, but yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I would recommend, your parents are boomers and they don't have a Roku, buy them a Roku next holiday, next birthday, Father's Day, Mother's Day, and set it up for them. It takes like two or, hours. Or a, or a fire stick. Or a fire that's stick. What I, that's what I did. Yeah. And once they have it, then it's like they they should have no issues with it. But yeah, I I don't think the drop-off will be that significant because I, I think a lot of people have Amazon because of and Prime is built into your or Prime Video is built into your prime subscription. So you should yep. have it, have it available to you. And I think they'll make it easy. I think they, I would imagine you're going to start seeing it come up about March because I, I, I'm guessing they're going to want to do some trial and error and want to make sure that it's not first opening day is the first day of everything. And maybe the first two months are free or something like that. And then, and then they will charge charge from there. I think that's what, um, if I'm not mistaken, that's what HBO Max is doing currently because they show uh, they show a lot of the football, like a lot of the TNT games because that Max is yep. under that company. And I believe it's going to be free either. I think it's right until March Madness, conveniently enough. Right. And then that'll be an add on. And then you'll have to add on the sports package. So which is really smart, right? Because some people don't have YouTube TV at, or Hulu Live or anything like that. And they so then they could just pay a little extra to watch watch all the March Madness games and not have to necessarily get a you know a subscription for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a smart move. I mean, it's definitely it's another step into this new frontier of of uh, you know streaming and sport and live sports being on the streaming platforms. I think it's just going to make it that much easier for it to uh, ultimately all be on, or, or maybe you know, just for Amazon to have an NBA package of their own, you know, right. Amazon will probably get like the in-season tournament um, games or, or, you know, championship or whatever. And uh, it's just going to be that much more seamless. And it's an interesting thing. I mean, cause only, only like half of the NBA is Valley sports. Right. You know, and half of baseball, there's other teams. Uh, there's, you have what the AT and T Sports Nets? Yeah, Those are like U the real Utah has their own thing. Um, yeah. you know, uh, yet you also have the uh the the NBC ones. So who NBC has like Boston, Chicago, uh, Golden State, Chicago, Philly. yeah, Philly. So they, yeah, it's it's that's Comcast. So it's all sort of spread out, and I do think that they will you know, they'll figure that out. And the TV deal is coming up next year for the NBA. And I agree that you're going to see Amazon, you know, look for that 
I think the I think what's you know interesting is I don't know how many players they're going to have against it. I think maybe Apple TV says they want to do something similar to their MLB package where it's Friday nights and they have you know NBA NBA Friday nights or NBA you know Monday nights or whatever maybe that they decide they want to do. I don't think Netflix will get involved because I I think they're just doing the after stuff, right? You have the mm-hmm. they have the basketball thing, the behind now. the scenes. Yeah, yeah. They uh they picked up inside the NFL, which is interesting. It's on the CW, weirdly enough, and now it's it's going on Netflix. So like they're doing that type of shit. I don't think they want to get involved with the live streaming. I think they would just prefer to kind of be that. To your point, behind the scenes do the documentaries. I think it would be kind of sick if they kind of reignited NFL films. You know, obviously Steve Sable no longer with us. Um, but like if they did something like that, where, you know, you had those recaps where you could watch that or just house NFL films, you know, in Netflix would be great where you could be able to watch all, all the different things. That would be awesome. But you know, I, I think there are still to your point there. This is, this is only the beginning. And I don't think it's going to get to a point where like, we'll be, bitching about it like we are with Bally, right? Yeah. Hopefully that's a little yeah. I mean, I would the product of of the Prime Video app is quite a bit better than the Bally Sports app in, in my experience. Right. It doesn't doesn't crash. Doesn't make you log in, you know, right? Every time. Um I couldn't even tell you what, what my Prime password is. No. You know. No, I mean, yeah. The, I just the, I never have to worry about it. The fact that you have to log into Bally almost every fucking time you use the app that now you used to not be that used to not be the case, but they've switched something where you have to log into the app almost every time is fucking obnoxious. It is absolutely obnoxious. And I I hate it. I'm so glad it's gone. Also, I can't stream it on my phone because I haven't updated my phone. So I can't, I can't even watch it on my phone anymore, which it used to be able to. And that was actually one of the nicer things that Bally had available to it. Computer still works pretty well, but yeah, I'm just excited to, you know, this Amazon venture and, you know, and know that it's, it's probably going to be a lot easier on, on just everything, you know, going forward. Yep, for sure. So anything else for the people uh, before we, before we ride out? No, I think that'll do it. I the only thing I have is uh Christian Coloco, uh I think a former first round pick got waived by Toronto to complete the Pascal Siakam trade. Me I didn't my, think, Did he get drafted? Oh, uh, maybe he did get drafted. He was very talented out of Arizona. And For sure. and I don't know, man. That seems oh, that early seems second like, round pick. That seems like a a better idea than than uh Robin Lopez, but that's just that's just me. Yeah. I can't disagree. Also DeAndre Ayton, you know, not playing because he can't get out of his house because of the ice. That's pretty funny. <laughs> DMP icy yeah. roads. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. It's there. But we'll uh I know. Uh we'll be back tomorrow uh with uh pack we're gonna do importance ratings again because we've gone to the last three weeks um i spare mitch because he i know he doesn't like him so i do it myself and <laughs> got to keep it rolling um so we'll do that 
get ready for uh, Marquette St. John's uh, on Saturday, which should be a lot of fun. And also, also talk, talk probably a little bit about, about the box, maybe, maybe in some brewer giveaway um, thoughts. There's, there's a lot there to unpack. I thought the new Giannis jersey is actually better than the old one, shockingly. Um, but yeah, so lots of, lot to discuss, a lot of onion to peel. And we'll do that tomorrow. And then Mitch and I'll be back next week. Uh, we have a weird week with the Bucks schedule, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out as always. Yep, that's right. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Peace.